Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ, culture, and the church. This is Morgan McClure, and I am joined by my co-host, Aaron Mansfield. Hey guys, good to have you. And Stephen Vaughn. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode six, where we'll be discussing once again the twisted gospel. In part two, we'll be continuing our conversation of what the gospel is and what it isn't. Our prayer is that by the end of this episode, you'll have a fresh, deeper understanding of the good news and its life-changing impact for now and for eternity. So guys, we're coming out of a great, great first episode of this topic i really enjoyed going back and just really kind of piecing out what what the gospel is like how does that how does that feel Mm. like going back into it like i said i always think it's a positive uh i referenced that illustration of when i was able to do it in high school and how eye-opening it was for me and i think that revisiting what the gospel is is very important because um if you've ever read the book gospel by uh, jd greer he goes into the fact that we try to make the gospel this one-time thing Mm -hmm. um that we go to and his whole point what in that book was that the gospel is not a lake that's an inch deep it's a well that's miles deep and Mm. you just continued living and going into the gospel Uh. and i think revisiting what the gospel is is important for that to just be like man the gospel is not just this one-time decision it's a lifestyle and it's it's a it's literally a process mm, of living right. and so being with the Lord. Well, you so know, and, and, and even in the last episode, you were mentioning how as we were looking at the gospel is uh, the, through this kingdom motif mm-hmm. of showing us that that uh, we have a responsibility in that, you know, so I think that's helpful to remind ourselves what is our responsibility to the gospel? And as I think about Paul and his admonition to Timothy that he was to in, be entrusted with this gospel and he mm-hmm. was to guard the gospel, um, I think because what Paul understood was there was this great danger in turning away uh, to a different gospel. I, yep. I um, In Galatians chapter 6, Paul, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul it really um, he gets on the church in Galatia for this. He says, I am astonished in verse six. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who mm-hmm. called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And so, you know, you, you see it there, but then you see in Paul's admonition to Timothy to guard the gospel that was entrusted to him and to really pass it on to the next generation, unaltered, unchanged, unproved, um, and, and, and to do that well. And I think what Paul understood is there was this great temptation to alter the gospel, uh, to distort the gospel, to improve upon the gospel. You know, I think we've, we've talked about that in yep. uh, previous episodes where we've looked at, you know, even the Roman Catholic Church, that during the Middle Ages, there was this whole system of salvation that was constructed by the church. So that by the time you get to the 1600s, I mean, the, the, by the time you get to the 16th century, um, the church uh, needed to really con- condemn that, you know, because they had uh, moved away from this uh, gospel of justification by grace through faith. Yeah. yeah. So whereas uh, in, oh, sorry, Stephen, were you no, going to say No, I was just going to say, you, you mentioned Second Timothy 4. Yes. I, I, I love that passage because I feel like it really presents with what is 
and what's going on right now. Uh, because in that same passage, he says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Mm-hmm. And I just think of like, hmm. man, that literally sounds like our own culture that we're living in right now. Might you as know, well write America in there. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to read that part of the, yeah. that passage because that just is like so confronting to where we are right now. Yeah, I, yeah. Because if we don't articulate what we are guarding and what we are uh, passing on, unchanged, unaltered to the next generation as the gospel, mm-hmm. then then we have this danger of adding to it or altering it in different ways. And um, so this morning, you know, today we're going to look at this as we uh, consider really part two of this. We're going to consider some twists, right? Yeah. So whereas in part one, we were talking about what the gospel is, foundational to understanding, you know, the whole story, the big story. Part two, we're discussing what the gospel isn't and where those twists have kind of come in. And Mm -hmm. with any of these that we'll discuss, we're going to just be hitting on three main ones, but they all started out small. And the changing of truth. A small was distortion. A small distortion that just created a domino effect. Right. So, um, right. I, we've, yeah, segmented these into three big twists, um, if you'll humor me on that. But I think one of the most pervasive in this culture, are you laughing at me? <laughs> no, it, was, it was good, but I, I wanted to laugh because you were like, if you listeners... can humor me, I, was, I wanted to laugh so bad. I, I just, I just have found like over the last few episodes that you have like this real dry humor that you really like. I, like, I like, do. Which it's I, awesome. It is great. It's we unexpected. love it. We love it. But I, I need like those <laughs> symbol clashing yeah, things, sh- you know. The, I need to preload that into we my soundboard. We so need that for when Morgan gives us her I have a hand clapping, but I don't have the symbol yet. I know. We need the symbol. Yeah, so, that's all right. Uh, Sorry, we, we, no, we're not making fun. We, no, it's we, great. We are, we're enjoying <laughs> this. So. I like the humor. Um, so the first one I think is probably one of the most pervasive and the most, easy, most easily identified, and that is the prosperity gospel, also mm. known as the word of faith movement. So, Stephen or Aaron. Yeah, and, which, and I think instantly we want to thank when we hear that, like the instant thinking is name like... Name and claim it. Uh, name and claim it. So like... Um, Kenneth Copeland and like these big time TV preachers who fly around in jets, Benny Hinn, you know, and we think of all these different people, right, that we want to attribute this to. And while that might be fair and right, right, if we look at their theology, their doctrine, their teaching, that they probably most likely would fit into this category. I think, too, that the prosperity gospel many times enters into our lives in this little like cloaked (laughs) mentality Mm -hmm. to where we don't necessarily see that it's in our lives, but it is. Yeah. And so I think that when we think of this, we can't just think of the extremes. Sure. That's right. right. We have to also see that this is probably invading our life, even in a minor way. And while the extremes are definitely not good, this is a bigger deal in our culture than we would attribute it to. So that was just a side note. No, I think that's good. So when we think about the prosperity gospel for a moment, or Morgan was talking about the word of faith movement, there's, you've already brought up some examples of maybe people that we would attribute that to. Um, However, I, I think we need to think about, okay, well, 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 what, what uh, distortion was made to the gospel that mm-hmm. brought about that type of behavior or that type of theology? Um, yeah, well, in, in essence, where it gets off is that who becomes the center of the gospel? And in general, with this one, it's mm-hmm. all about me, right? It's yes. man-centered. Very and it's very man-centered. So um, 
if I'm going to be a good Christian, I need to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, mm-hmm. right? So am I physically healthy, word of faith, faith healing movements, right? Mm-hmm. Am I uh, financially healthy? Do I have a lot of money? And is God blessing me? And am I wise? Am I adding to my knowledge, right? Yeah. And that one kind of gets left out sometimes, actually. <laughs> it's more healthy the and understanding wealthy. But... In that, the understanding in that, just to stop you there a minute, is the understanding that if I don't have those things in my life, I'm not, then I'm not. Something's yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. And so you'll hear, you'll hear some of the more word of faith guys, right? Like the faith healers mm-hmm. and these guys that'll fly around in jets, you know, like your Kenneth Copeland and your Benny Hens, these classic names that people throw around. Right. But like, what's going on there? Well, God wants to heal you. Okay. I mean, sounds good at the first, right? But then it's all about like, well, you need to do this Mm -hmm. if you want God to heal you. Mm -hmm. So you need to pay this or do this or be this, and then God will heal you. You need to come and hear me and let me heal you. And there's a danger there. Or maybe even more of a little bit of a cloaked prosperity gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Here, like we were talking earlier, it's not always about extremes, but if you listen to some popular teachers nowadays, Joel Osteen. Mm Mm-hmm. Has some good things to say, but if you listen to his message, it's all about God wants to bless you. God wants to, Mm. and it's this motif of it's all about me. And it's this prosperity teaching, while it might not sound bad, and while maybe some of the teaching that he has might be, have some good points, it really airs to this man-centered theology of if I do A and B, God will bless me with C, and he will always bless me. So let me ask you this, though, as we think about this type of um, maybe ways that the gospel there has been distorted in that way, why, why is the tendency to do that? I can't can't answer for those people or or why they've answered that, you know, only they can answer why they've distorted the gospel in those ways. But I just would say, kind of a broad spectrum, kind of a, a, you know, you know, 130,000 view. Mm -hmm. Why, why, why is the tendency there? to distort the gospel towards this type of prosperity, faith healing? Well, from what I have researched and what I've seen in documentaries and just listened to some of these sermons, I think the the one of the major errors is that they, they lean on the side of um, trying to bring so much of what is not yet in the kingdom of God, and they want it right now. So with the health and wealth and prosperity, and um, they— it's this idea that as children of God, you know, and they wouldn't even, um, I'll get into that in a second with that doctrine, but we should be living a life of prosperity because our God owns everything and he has mm-hmm. given us that. And um, it's, it's, it sounds a little, I mean, it sounds extreme, but it, it started off small. And so like with these main doctrines that, that Stephen was talking about, so um, humans having the power to bring healing and prosperity with faith. So let's um, just stop there for a moment. Do do we? Do we? I mean, if you look at Scripture, mm-hmm. I believe, personally, that it is only God who gives healing. That's right. Yeah. And God's God healing. endowed certain individuals in Scripture with the power to heal. But if you look at every single instance in I would even argue, though, in those instances, who brought about the healing God, in that moment? Mm-hmm. But God if you look in every single instance, too, right. who got the glory? God. Mm-hmm. It was a sign. All of those healings that happened in the New Testament, if you look at them, they were signs for unbelievers to turn to God in that specific time period. And so I believe if you look in Scripture, you got to come away with the fact that man never heals. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God used man to heal, 
but um it's it's not it's not this thing that nowadays oh i'm gonna heal and what do all these guys do come to me for healing Mm -hmm. right you have to come to me for healing well instantly that's that discredits you according to scripture because it's not about you it's about god (laughs) yeah you know i saw this firsthand when i was on a mission trip um in africa Mm -hmm. uganda about a year and a half ago and the prosperity gospel, that type of gospel presentation was so prevalent there. And what had happened was going back to your understanding of the gospel, Stephen, where you were saying it's an inch deep versus, you know, that Mm -hmm. well, um, a lot of the evangelism that had been done in that part of Africa was so centralized on making a profession that in a short generation, there wasn't really a strong theology understanding of what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. So what happened was the gospel began to be distorted, um, really in towards this type of prosperity gospel that really addressed man's need as primary. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that that began to be perpetuated. As I talked to a a number of different um, pastors who were over there, they said, what's been so detrimental is the radio ministry, Mm -hmm. because by and large, the radio ministry is filled uh, with this type of prosperity gospel. And so new Christians, new pastors, they don't have a lot of training, a lot of theology uh, in that aspect. And so they go and they listen to the radio to kind of learn how to preach. And what ends up happening is they begin to perpetuate the same type of distorted gospel. And I remember being over there too, like you would hear specific stories of guys over there who were like, hey, if you bring me your money, if you God seed will heal this, you. Yeah, God will do If you this. seed this, that, right. that's right. If you seed this, if you plant right. this seed of faith with me, right. God will heal you. Right. But that is so, so dangerous for two reasons. If for some reason healing does happen divinely or through a medical reason, they will attribute it to that and thus they continue their bad theology. Or if healing doesn't come, it's detrimental to their faith because yeah. then they believed that and then they blame God and they say, well, God wasn't in that well, no, when the it was a false teacher. The, the, the person who does that said you didn't have enough faith. Well, yeah. there but was that's, an instance, yeah. that still hurts their faith no, because exactly then they right. say, exactly they say right. oh man, how I believed everything and I gave everything. So how can I give even more? So it's a lose-lose. Mm-hmm. It's a lose-lose situation. So yeah. let, me, let me just throw this out here and maybe this is where you're going to go, Morgan, but let me just throw this out here because I want to ask the question then how do we see this type of, you know, maybe bad theology of how we distort the gospel in that way? How do we see that really infiltrating the church today? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I think there's some people, I just say, you know, as I talk to people, as I pastor, you know, uh, a lot of times people are quick to condemn TV preachers. And mm-hmm. it's not the TV or them preaching on TV that's the problem. I think often it's going back to that. That's that's kind of maybe what mainstream yeah. um, evangelical Christianity today has kind of looked to is that type of prosperity gospel. Um, that's how we identify the gospel today in some circles, but wrongly, wrongly. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you though, how do you see that even infiltrating um, our church? I mean, I'm not saying our church is a prosperity gospel church by any means, because it's not. Yeah. But as I would think about, how does that type of thinking work its way even into our church? I mean, how maybe this that sounds terrible because if people are listening they're probably like well what, what, do, they, what do they believe no i think what, what you're asking is, is how does it enter into each individual christian's life like um, us as a whole yeah. how do we see it in our lives well what i'm saying is what, what are what are the things that we're tempted to believe mm-hmm. well, I, that would lead us to that place that's sure, my thought that's sure my thought. i mean some of it is even ingrained subconsciously um uh, with this idea of okay if i if i give to the lord then he's 
going to give it all to back, give to, back me, to me. You know, okay. so that can that can confuse our understanding of why we give in the first place. We don't give to receive. That's good. We give to glorify God, that's and that's good. an aspect of worship, you know, which is so distorted in so much of the prosperity gospel, mm. you know, because people oftentimes will, you know, be demanded, oh, if you, if you, you know, when you give to the Lord, he is going to, he's going to give it right back to you. Or if you declare it's there, that money's going to be in your bank account mm. and on an extreme level. But really, I think it does get Giving's deep down. one for sure. Yeah. You know, another one that comes to my mind is um, how people view their sicknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we're not careful, we'll we'll buy into that type of thinking that mm-hmm. God always wants to bless me and that there will be no pain or challenges in the Christian life. And that if for some reason I have hardship in my life, then there's something wrong with me. And that's not of God. And that's not of God. And yeah, we've we've we we don't have a right theology of suffering in the mm-hmm. church today. Yeah, I think it also goes back to the just the way that we plan our lives. Okay. If you if you just look at what people think is like the ultimate goal of their life, well, to get my kids through college, to have this much money in the bank, to have this type of job, to have this type of house. And if I do all the right things, God will provide for me. And it's like, well, no, um, you can do all the right things and you can end up living in a mud hut in the middle of Africa, right? Because what is the main thing here? It's not about me. It's not about my prosperity. It's about God's kingdom. Mm. Yeah. And so we start to get into this, where does it go wrong? And that's truly the biggest place where both prosperity gospel and word of faith get it wrong is they take Jesus Christ out of the center of the gospel and instead put man in. And I want to mention a little bit about word of faith because it's, it's slightly different um, than the prosperity gospel, but I think it's even become more prominent than mm-hmm. prosperity gospel, especially for people in the millennial generation and younger. Mm. Um, so with this idea of word of faith, they put much emphasis on new revelation from God and actually diminishing Jesus's divinity mm-hmm. so that we as humans are our exact copies of God, just slightly different. And if Jesus hadn't come, we could have done it. That is a mm. perpetuated message in, mm. in the Word of Faith movement. And so that, number one, it, it goes wrong because suddenly we're in the center of the picture and we're our own Savior instead of Christ, which is so, so wrong for so many reasons because we were never meant to be our own Savior. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't do that. I mean, we, <laughs> I mean we're inherently broken, and even, mm-hmm. even the idea that we can or we can attempt to be mm-hmm. um, is, I think what it does is it promises people what it can't deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's this idea that, okay, are we living our best life now, mm-hmm. or really are we uh, saved, and is God transforming us for something greater? Um, there's a moment that, you know, God will restore once again his kingdom and, and things that are now tainted and broken and uh, really messed up will be complete mm-hmm. and will be restored. I think it focuses, like you said, on us being able to actualize our own salvation rather than see our need for a savior. Um, I think it comes down really to an issue of biblical authority. It's a, mm-hmm. it's really a, it's a, it is scripture the final authority. Yeah. And it takes do, it takes away from it. Do we have confidence in the word of God mm-hmm. or are we relying on some new direct revelation from God? Yeah. And um these these issues also have a really hard time with suffering. Mm-hmm. They yeah, can don't we really talk about that for they a don't yeah. have a biblical theology of suffering because 
they're like, well, if I do A and B, C will always happen. So God will always bless if I do A and B. And the only thing is in scripture, you see time and time again where we don't live life in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. We live life post fall. And yes, we've had redemption, but we still live in a fallen and broken world. Mm -hmm. And so what do they do with places like Job's life? Mm -hmm. What do they do with places like Psalm 34? David, I will bless the Lord at all times. And when he's writing that, he's literally suffering heavily mm. right like what do they don't have a i think about biblical new testament building your life on the rock and exactly and it rains on the just and the yeah. unjust or alike even the fact that we're promised suffering when we choose to follow christ and that's mm. uh, that's a sticky one that we don't like to deal with but i just pulled out uh, a just a few examples in romans 5 3 through 5 when he talks about not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing mm -hmm. that suffering produces endurance endurance, pr endurance mm. produces character mm. character produces hope all of these to the end of becoming more like christ sharing in his sufferings uh like it says in second timothy 2 share in suffering as a good soldier of jesus christ and romans 8 for I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So, if we come to the if we come to an understanding of the gospel that excludes suffering, mm. what are we supposed to do with all of that? You know, I don't think the church today has a real solid understanding of what suffering is in the Christian life. We've um, our society today says if if you're suffering, then there's something wrong, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so the, <laughs> something's wrong. So you got to fix it. And so I think sometimes we forget the fact, even like in Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd, mm -hmm. and we think about Him leading us in uh, green pastures, and we think that everything is going to be grand. Or besides Every, still waters, everything's yes. perfect. <laughs> but then you forget that the Lord leads us uh, into the valley of the shadow of death. Mm -hmm. And you know we've often talked about. Oh, we, I think in our day people always think about that as death. But but David's talking about that God leads us in valleys, that God leads us through valleys, mm -hmm. and the path of righteousness leads right into the valley of the shadow of death. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes when people are get to that moment in a deep valley, they you know kind of throw their hands up and they're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, what, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Did, mm -hmm. I not, did I not give enough? Did I not have enough faith? Did I not pray right? Did I not whatever? Mm -hmm. When in actual fact, God might be using a trial in our life God might be using that suffering uh, to continue to change us to become more like his son. And so the, um, this type of a twist, as we think about you know, the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, they've made distortions to aspects of the gospel, really foundations of scripture, um, and, and they've elevated certain things to the exclusion of others mm -hmm. that might have been a minor shift, but, but, but over time as that builds, it's kind of like that snowball, you know, going downhill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just builds up more and more momentum, and it just begins to accumulate and add more to it. And so, uh, so we need to guard against that. Yeah. I think we need to guard against uh, that. And the way we do is, is, once again, understanding what the gospel is. And remembering Scripture as final authority. I right. think, once again, that is right. just... Huge. So let me take another one here. So we talked about, you know, prosperity gospel. Let's talk about maybe this gospel of affirmation. You know, we think about the affirming church today. Mm -hmm. uh, folks might be new to hearing. What is that? What is the affirming church? Someone take a moment and explain that. Yeah. So the affirming church in particular is this idea. Um, it's especially relevant in the LGBTQ plus community where um, the church should affirm and does affirm all backgrounds, lifestyles, um, and everything, and does not require a certain lifestyle change in order to become a follower of Christ, which, you know, 
is true in a sense, but um, after coming to Christ, there should always be change. So um, there's also this idea of um, the self-love or the, you used a term earlier, yeah, Stephen. Um, so affirmation, it, the affirmation church is kind of really gaining traction now, but I believe it was birthed out of some of um, the seeker sensitive movement that happened back in like the seventies, eighties. A lot of times we attribute, uh, if you look up a lot of like a main um, characterization of this would be like Willow Creek and places like that with like Bill Hybels and how they would literally um, look at the church as almost like a business model and say, okay, we want to reach this demographic and have this type of people and this much. And so how do we do that? Well, we need to be uh, sensitive to this type of group. So we will have, uh, we will have biker rally and you can come to church with your Harley and sit with the biker club over in this section of the worship center. You can come and if you're a fisherman, you can sit in the fisherman section of the worship center and we'll have a fisherman class for you and we will go fishing together, you know, and it's all about how can we make church seeker sensitive. So how can Mm -hmm. we give in a business term, the user, the best experience at church. And so we want you to come as you are, Mm -hmm. come as you are, you know? And, um, again, like you said, come as you are is not necessarily an anti-biblical term because it says to come as you are. We were saved. However, you don't stay the same. (laughs) And much of this, the affirming church, the seeker sensitive movement, it was more of a come as you are and stay as you are. are. And everything will be fine. Right. Let and me so. just clarify, though, though. I think when you use the example there of Willow Creek, it's uh, it's not wrong necessarily the outreach. No, outreach is not wrong. Because of it. However, though, when the main focus is how can I make the gospel palatable to this type of person, we've missed it. Mm-hmm. Our focus is not to make the gospel palatable. The focus is to make the gospel known. Yeah. yeah so if we're tempted to distort the gospel by making it, easier to believe or easier to accept, then we're in danger of um, twisting the gospel, right? Right. Um, so, so as we think about some of those things there, where, where does that go wrong? What are some of the th- doctrines, the truth about the gospel that was distorted or added to? Yeah. So for this, the, the church of affirmation or the affirming church, they, they take Biblical truths such as people are fully saved and justified through Christ's final work on the cross and they're saved just as they are, which is true. We look at Romans 5 and it talks about how Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for perfect people. There's none of us who are perfect before coming to Christ. But where that gets a little twisted is um, it places Jesus's love and acceptance of ourselves and our broken condition over the need for salvation and then transformation. So Mm -hmm. it's like what you said, it's a come as you are, which is what we want, but then stay as you are is not what Christ calls us to as he gives us new and regenerate life through Mm -hmm. his salvation. Okay. Yeah, I believe it also teaches that God affirms what he has clearly spoken against in scripture. Um, There are thou shalt nots in scripture. There are clear biblical commands and mandates. And you can try and pull a Thomas Jefferson and cut up your Bible and cut out what you don't want, but it's not going to work because the Bible is very clear and it's a whole, like we've talked about in the first. It's 
the gospel is the whole thing. And so when we want to piecemeal the gospel and pull out pieces we don't like, we end up with the affirming church and we end up with this idea that you can do whatever you want and you can even go against what God has clearly spoken against. Mm -hmm. And that's an abuse of grace. Yeah. That is a complete abuse of grace. And so we're in the easy believism and the free grace movement, but we forget that grace wasn't free Mm -hmm. because it had a big price and Christ paid the price for us ultimately. And so to abuse this grace is literally to make light of the crucifixion of Christ and to make light of his payment and his burial, his resurrection. It's, it's literally just, it's, it's hard to even think about, but this isn't just an extreme. Mm-mm. This makes just like the prosperity gospel. I believe the affirming church, this idea of this doctrine makes its way into our lives in light ways mm-hmm. to where we're like, Oh, well, yeah, I would never affirm that. But then we look in our own lives and we affirm a minor twist of the gospel Mm -hmm. or we affirm a minor sin where we're like, uh, but this is something we have to guard against in our own personal lives, I believe. And I think, I think, um, another, especially, you know, those of us who are outside of the LGBTQ community, we're like, okay, this doesn't really apply to us, but really, like you're saying, it does. It permeates deep and in subtle ways. And just speaking as a woman here, I think a lot of targeted theology, doctrinal teaching toward women is started to become this, this basis of affirmation and of acceptance and of self-love, which is extremely unbiblical. Mm -hmm. You know, God doesn't say, you know, you are worthy of, you are worthy of this and you deserve this. Like it, the Bible says exactly opposite. Like we were not worthy of of God's love and His salvation, and we are by no means like perfect in anything of ourselves. It's it's Christ and um, His transformational work that makes us, you know, new new, and we have new hearts. And that's He bestowed it on us because He loved us, and not because we yeah, are yeah. good. Going back though to the motif of the kingdom and realizing that if we're going to um, give our life to Christ, we're gonna we're gonna be saved. We're gonna be born again. You can use whatever word I guess that it helps biblical word that uh, illustrates that. But here's the thing: that if 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 we're going to come into God's kingdom in that way, then then uh, there are certain um, principles, I guess you could use the word, of what it means to live life in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so you see Jesus in Matthew 5 uh, saying, blessed, and he goes through all of these things. And, I've, you know, sometimes we, we look at those Beatitudes and we're like, okay, well, these are just behaviors that, that the Christians should emulate. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, these are values of what it looks like to be a citizen of his kingdom, yeah. This is what it means. This is yeah. the this is the flag by which um, the Christian lives. And yeah. so, as you go throughout the New Testament, and as we see the gospel of Jesus Christ being explained in the epistles, and so you see Paul saying at different places, and 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 uh, John and others who who gave these gospel imperatives that that really clearly identifies. Well, this is what is sin. This is what is contrary to Christ and His kingdom. Yeah. Then we have to understand. Okay. Well, then I cannot affirm what Jesus has not affirmed. Yeah. And um, and once again, I think you're right. I think it elevates um, this this come as you are and stay as you are. Mm-hmm. And it does not mean that we are um, people that are still being changed. But 
what I where I think it goes wrong, where I think this gospel of affirmation goes wrong, is it it's really undermining scripture, mm-hmm. and it's basically making scripture subjective into mm-hmm. what we feel like it should affirm and what it should not affirm. And we want to read back into Scripture what we feel like it should mean rather than looking at Scripture and saying, well, what does Scripture say? Because what Scripture says is what it means. Mm-hmm. The meaning of Scripture is Scripture. Yeah. And that's where they've distorted that. Well, and it's interesting um, reading some of the, I guess you could say, doctrinal statements of uh, these affirming churches is they actually they point back to Scriptures and they point back to the work of Jesus. But they, like you're saying, they just leave out the the sanctification process yes it's all finished in the work of christ and they leave it there yeah and, they, and there's they nothing cut out the beyond. entire book of romans <laughs> 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 like literally you just got to go through the entire book and just cut it out because it's not going to make the cut yeah <laughs> yeah you might get two or three verses <laughs> so so in that sense it's not necessarily adding to maybe as much as it was taking away yeah. uh, from what the gospel, mm-hmm. the full gospel was calling us to. Yeah. yeah, That's what God's message is. That's what God was calling us to. And then thirdly, uh, maybe we consider one more twist here to yeah. kind of give the listener, and listen, these are just examples. We're just trying to give you examples to, of some things to think It's not through. exhaustive. No, not, <laughs> not, not by any means. And, um, and, and we're not trying to broad brush these. I think it's just to give an example to say, hey, uh, think about this, because mm-hmm. there's an aspect of this where Uh, there is some distortions. Uh, One that I think is very prevalent in our society today is uh, the political gospel. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, uh, man, that's a hot, touchy issue right now. Um, Especially not only being an election year, uh, but how how do we see this political gospel? Now, most people probably wouldn't know the phrase political gospel. I don't even know if that's a term. Yeah, I just uh, wrote it in there. So <laughs> I, think, I think what we're trying to describe is this. Um, it's not just one camp, first of all. No. This is both sides. Mm-hmm. So this is not us saying this about one, one, one side or, or one party or this side or that side or this type of people and that type of people. This is encompassing of our culture right mm-hmm. now. And so, yeah, America specifically. So this works itself out in tons of different ways. But what it does is it's going to equate Christian values. It's going to equate biblical morality. It's going to equate how the gospel works, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to equate it with things like patriotism. Mm -hmm. So if you aren't a patriot, you aren't a Christian. Now, in and of itself patriotism is not an evil quality. Well, hold on. Can right? I just, before we go down that road, why can we address the why there though? Why people would feel that? Why they would say that? Why, why what? Like when you use the phrase, like if you're not a patriot, you're not a Christian, like where, where is that coming from? Well, they're trying to, <laughs> where is that? You get what I'm saying? That yeah. frustration that, that, uh, if you really want to boil it down, it's they're they're very focused on the here and now and their own kingdom. And even and I think personally. trying to <laughs> trying to win Jesus over to a political mm-hmm. ideology, which mm-hmm. he doesn't belong to any of our political camps. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, and it, it's not always out of bad intentions either. Mm-mm. Like many times, it comes out of a let's be thanks thankful for how our country has supported us through the years and how it's given us the freedoms and abilities to do things. Hey, great! Let let's be thankful. But out of this thankfulness comes this obsession bordering on obsession of this a patriotistic idea that you have to support and you have to fight and if you don't have a flag in the sanctuary you aren't a christian church and if you don't do this this and this you know and it's like okay well 
time out here. We're a part of God's kingdom. Yes, we're, it's like what we talked about in our first episode, I believe. Yes, we're a part of God's kingdom. And yes, we're American citizens. But first and foremost, as a Christian, I'm a part of the kingdom of God and I'm a citizen of heaven. Yeah. So yes, I will try to be a great citizen of the United States. But that is only within my framework as a citizen of heaven. And I think even on the, the backside of patriotism is when we focus on the issues in our country, mm-hmm. the social ills and the injustices that we see, a lot of people in, in certain camps will try to pull pull Jesus to their side and say, well, well, Jesus would never stand for this in America. <laughs> and right. Jesus, he was, you know, flipping tables and he was usurping the political system, which... Okay, but the thing is, uh, it's not. It, it, the gospel is not about enacting. Uh, what is the term I'm looking for? Le- legislation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm coming to it. Um, it's it's not about enacting legislation to fix every single problem we see. Mm-hmm. It, it is important that we stand up for moral right and more and stand against moral wrong. And it is important that we stand up for the oppressed and we correct injustice. That is a call, but that. Once we get so focused on those issues, we can get totally lost. Well, it's sad, too, because we've thing. made those yeah. issues political things. Yeah. Mm. Racism yes. is not a political issue. It's, it's a gospel moral issue. Abortion is not a political issue. It is a gospel moral issue. Both are wrong. Mm-hmm. But when we equate them to politics, we equate the gospel to politics, and all of a sudden we end up in this nebulous The gospel should realm. be associated with a political party. Yes. Right. And, and so, so you have to we vote up, that way. Yeah, that's right. And so if we're not careful we begin to associate a certain platform either side with uh with how polarized we become Mm -hmm. in america with a two-party system it it sometimes can lend to the attitude of well which side um is gospel driven and that's not at all where do you land what what party are you with well if you're a christian you're going to vote you're going to vote Republican. If you're a Christian, you're going to vote Democrat. If you're a Christian, you're going to vote Libertarian and Independent. (laughs) And everybody wants to take their own way. And it's like, hey, okay, time out. Is the gospel centered around a political party? The answer is a resounding no. The answer is no. Did Jesus come as a certain type of politician? No. No. That's right. He came and he actually pushed against the grain on both sides. That's right. He said, you all are kind of off on this and you guys are kind of off on this. And I think as Christians, we have to take back that understanding of while one person might vote this way or that way, right? Okay. And while one person might vote more for this party, okay. We're not voting party. We are voting based on gospel issues. We are not living our lives based on party affiliation. We are living our lives based on gospel issues. We are living within the framework of biblical Christianity and where this meets, okay. Can I push back? Well, not push back, but maybe clarify something here. And that is, I think you mentioned abortion. And I think as we think about maybe the last 30, 40 years, uh, especially things that, you know, happened with Jerry Falwell and the moral majority. Mm -hmm. And we think about these emphases that were made um, and good emphases in some regard of what they were uh, standing for, fighting for. But if we're not careful, we'll begin to associate a party platform Mm -hmm. over one issue Mm -hmm. and the issue that that is affirmed there when in actual fact, you can look at other political issues that maybe that party stands for that are completely 
against scripture, Mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, I I don't want to get too far into this, but I think for example, you could look at maybe, um, you know, the Republican party and you could see, okay, well, I think sometimes it's, it's known more as a party that, uh, embraces more, uh, pro-life and those type of decisions. But then you can look at maybe issues relating to immigration and issues that the Bible talks about, uh, talk about embracing the foreigner that's among you and things. And we can almost pick, what we feel like is more weighty than others. Mm -hmm. And yet the gospel is not that way. And so God calls us as Christians to, to embrace his kingdom. And as Christians, we should, um, we have the responsibility with the gospel that there's not a, there's not, there should not be this separation that we draw between the way I want to live my life Monday through Saturday yeah. and then what I will claim as a Christian on Sunday. It's not like a coat you can take no, off. No, you and can't put take it on. off. And so I think what needs to happen as we think about, okay, we need to be careful first to recognize that we do not elevate a certain aspect of uh, a political leaning simply because of Christian values that we want to associate with that group, mm-hmm. which they may or may not hold to. Yeah, well, and I think it's so important that we take a step back and remember that God is calling us to a broader and better and more beautiful kingdom, and his kingdom is not the United States mm-hmm. of America. It isn't, not in a political sense, not in a legislative sense. Like, this is not the kingdom that God has promised the kingdom to come. Mm-hmm. So before we go too far away in the weeds here, maybe yeah. we have, but I, let me just say, okay, so where is this distorted? I think what, if we're not careful where we see the gospel being distorted in that type of political aspect is uh, guarding against this aspect that we can usher in God's kingdom yeah. by what we advocate for legislatively. And I think there was an aspect of that probably 30, 40 years ago that was more prevalent than it was today. Yeah. But... um, Yeah, completely agree. I think also kind of a takeaway from this point here is we're like wrapping it up because I think the main main place where it goes wrong is what you just said. We're trying to usher in God's kingdom. And I think that, I mean, that's the main place where it goes wrong, right? I I just think, I think, I think we try to, I think it's this aspect that we can change and, and I, once again, I mean, you can go back and listen to our episode where we talked about the church and government, yeah. and we were very much like affirming the responsibility that yes. Christians have in the society that they're a part of. Exactly. But what, but, but what, but what I'm trying to say here is that we, we need to be careful that the emphasis of the gospel is central on the human soul. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and what God is calling each of us to, to recognize our sin, our brokenness, our need of restoration, our need of restoring in this grand story mm-hmm. of, of what God is doing in human history and not to get so wrapped up in the sense that if once I can affirm uh, a bill that may be more morally right as mm-hmm. I would view it, that somehow that solved all the problems because exactly. that does not exactly. solve all exactly. the problems. Yeah. And that, that is not saying that a Christian should not take responsibility in our government to, to see legislation and bills that affirm truth to be mm-hmm. uh, right and wrong, to be rightly yeah. articulated. But what, what I'm just saying is we can't see that as the end all be all. No. And I think, I think too, as a Christian, that when you're living that way too, you have to be willing to call out the wrong wherever you see it. Mm-hmm. And I think like a takeaway from this would be like, while you're not supposed to be obsessed with 
how the gospel is politics and we have to usher in this kingdom. I think what you were saying is very true. As a Christian who is a citizen of this government, you need to be willing to call out the wrong. Mm -hmm. So if this party is wrong, call it out. If this party's wrong, call it out. But be willing to call it out wherever it's at. And don't be willing to sweep it under the rug because if you start sweeping because it under you the tend rug, to value something more morally right than something. If else. you're sweeping it under the rug with your party, that should show you that you might be leaning a little bit towards the political gospel. Yeah. If you're willing to call out the wrong on both sides, that's where the gospel is. Is it yep. saying, "Hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong," and I'm not going to stand up and just broad brush everything and say I support this party. When there's wrong in the can, you need to be willing to call out wrong in both areas. Yeah. And mm. just the reminder that keeping our, our gospel big story glasses on is that there is a greater kingdom coming mm -hmm. and this is not the be all end all that mm -hmm. we're in right now. That's right. And so I think about what Paul said as we kind of began the episode back in Galatians 1. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm so astonished that you're so quickly deserting him, Christ, who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And so as we kind of wrap up uh, this part of the episode today, let's take a moment and just remind ourselves that really any gospel that we turn to, that Jesus is not the center. His finished work, his person and work uh, is not the center of that. And we're basing um, the gospel from that. Then, then we've really begun to go into a false teaching of some kind. Yeah. And anytime we place our comfort over the Great Commission, you know, in, in this continuing of God's kingdom, that, that's also a false teaching. And, mm -hmm. and I just want to bring to light this idea um, and ask you guys for some, some responses on this and how we can round it out practically in, in our discussion is that, you know, when we encounter the radical truth of God's good news, because this truth is radical. I mean, it's completely upside down from anything we expect, anything we understand in our flesh. When we encounter this, it's bound to change our life. So what what are some of those changes that we see when we come to know this gospel and, and accept it personally, take possession of it, like what you were saying? And what are some of those changes that we see throughout our life and what we should be aspiring to? You know, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is that God saved us to something. Mm -hmm. And we, we so want to talk about what he saved us from. But if we forget that he has saved us to... Um, his kingdom, this this new heaven, this new life, this new joy. This I'm no longer enslaved um, to what held me, but now um, Christ has cleansed me from that. And uh, I, there, there was a quote I can't even remember who said it, but I came across it this week, and it was so profound. It said, "It said um, what once condemned me no longer condemns me." because of Christ, once Christ has cleansed me. Mm. And, yeah. and, and I may have missed that a little bit, but what it's saying is that the things that I used to define my life by uh, are no longer what I define it by because Christ has cleansed me and he saved me to uh, uh, this gospel of good news, of grace. And I think it elevates uh, grace and, through faith rather than um, if we're left to ourselves I think the problem of distorting the gospel that we have faced in every generation, and the temptation is still today, mm -hmm. is we are such a people that are that want to fix things. Oh, 
yeah. And we're such a dependent, we're so dependent on our works of what we think we can improve on or do. And so it's just this idea of if I can just do something, give me something that I can do to make this happen. So if I can bring about change in a political arena, or if I can see the benefits of, of this new gospel work through me in the power of healing and faith, or if I can just affirm, you know, it's, it's, it's this yeah. idea of if I can just do something then then the gospel will be right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we go wrong yes. because it's a gospel of grace. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and anything that I'm relying on, anything that I'm depending on, that I think that I can fix it, then I'm actually no longer standing firm, uh, holding on to the gospel of grace because it is undeserved. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think there's that aspect of works that that we want to attribute to the gospel in every aspect of this. Yeah. Now I could, I would completely agree. And I, I think that just as much as now we are set apart and we're no longer enslaved, like you've beautifully laid out, we are saved to God's kingdom and we have responsibility in God's mm-hmm. kingdom. Yeah. And so now we are to be heralds that English, mm-hmm. old English word that we've been using through the past two episodes. We are supposed to be heralds of the gospel. Yeah. We're supposed to be taking the gospel. And I think, I think, too, we are also supposed to be guarding against this false teaching. I, I think to nowadays it's not emphasized enough that we are supposed to be guarding against in our lives. And then in our corporate gatherings, we're supposed mm-hmm. to be gathering against this. And I think in our day of Facebook clip preaching, uh, um, yes. if you know <laughs> what I'm saying, where you, you scroll through and you see the two minutes of the sermon and, oh, man, that sermon was great. And so we share it. And then we don't know anything about anything. And then all of a sudden, like the 30 seconds after that wasn't included in the clip, he's preaching complete heresy. Mm. We have to guard against this and we have to be more thorough in who we listen to and who we allow to influence our lives. Because it starts with a, it starts with a Facebook clip. It starts with that two minutes of allowing it or a catchy phrase. And then we listen to something else they say and we like that and something else they say and like that. And then before you know it, we've allowed this person to influence us and we've bought into everything they're saying. But what they're saying is anti-scriptural and they're they're completely away from it. And so we have to guard against this false teaching. Well, the emphasis, though, of the apostles in the New Testament was so that people wouldn't be tossed around Mm -hmm. by different devices and cunning of men. You see James talking about don't be in a double minded man and stable in all your ways. And I think the the, uh, the apostles rightly understood that if this new generation of Christians did not understand truth as it is revealed, Mm -hmm. then they would be so tempted to entertain a different thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think the problem why we see so many distortions of the gospel today is probably because the church as a whole does not understand the gospel. Yep. We don't really understand what it is. We've perpetuated these sound bites, these phrases of what we think it is mm-hmm. without understanding the comprehensiveness of what it is. And if we fail to do that, then we'll be quick to distort it. Exactly. Yep. And because like you were saying, the gospel, the gospel is one of grace, right? Mm-hmm. The gospel does not condemn. It, it has grace and it, it redeems. But also the gospel confronts. Mm-hmm. The gospel shows me what's going on in my life and the gospel requires an answer. Mm-hmm. I either does. accept or reject. So I'm going to align myself with the Lord, just like the gospel says. I'm going to follow after this. I'm going to implement this into my life and be completely sold out. And Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. Right. Or I'm going to reject it. And so we have to have both sides of the coin. It's one of grace, but it's also one that confronts, you know? Right. 
And when we come to this fuller understanding of the gospel and the big story, and of course, none of us as individuals are ever going to grasp everything there is to know. Um, Isn't that beautiful about the gospel? It's literally, it's infinity deep. It (laughs) is that well that you just, you keep going deeper in. But when we do and we understand it enough, it, it, it motivates us by this burden for the lost, mm-hmm. but also this joy in carrying that good news and the desire to do it at any cost. And um, because all of those prosperity, health, wealth, even being comfortable and safe, it, it doesn't matter as much anymore when you can see the the ways that God has called us to something so much more than that. Um, and I, I always think of Matthew 16, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it Hmm. for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or what, what, what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so that's just getting back to the heart of it about the soul, about the grand story and God's design to redeem it do you have that quote by william borden i love that quote that he has do you have that i do i do so well this this quote william borden um he was a young missionary i believe it was in early 1900s or late 1800s and he really felt a, a a true calling to go to the mission field and to take the gospel to the nations and periodically throughout his life he he wrote this entry he began with no reserves when he decided to surrender everything all his resources all his time to taking the gospel to the the people who don't know Mm. Um, and then once he set his foot to the field he wrote no retreats and he actually never made it to his intended country where he wanted to go I it's been a while since I've read the story but I haven't I don't really remember but he didn't make it there he actually he died of an illness he he got sick and he passed away before he could uh, reach that place where he felt he was called but before he passed away he wrote down underneath no reserves no retreats he said no regrets Mm. because even at the end of all that at the end of his life which many would say from an outsider's perspective was wasted it was cut short Mm -hmm. it didn't make sense to sacrifice his prospects of um you know uh finishing college and becoming a wealthy businessman or a lawyer or whatever um he had no regrets because he got the better portion and he understood the great glory of carrying this good news yeah Yeah. i I love that quote because i feel like it puts the gospel in a kingdom perspective Mm -hmm. into like these little holds as humans we need holds that we can grasp onto and i think in like the kingdom motif it it just it makes it it makes sense no reserves there is nothing i would not do for the gospel the Mm -hmm. gospel is the lord being completely in control of my life i'm dying to myself and then no retreats as a member of the kingdom of god i'm not backing down yeah it's full speed ahead and at the end of my life no matter what happens no matter how much suffering there is no matter what i endure no matter how empty my life is based on the earth's definition of what life should be I have no regrets because I'm a member of the kingdom of God and I, I, I have access to him and I have a relationship with him and I will be able to spend eternity with That's him. That's right. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up today, thinking about the gospel, thinking about it as uh, a part of the kingdom of God, I want to end by reading just a section of scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Paul's writing to Timothy. We've brought him up a number of times about standing firm, holding fast to the gospel. And Paul tells him in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, that he is to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. 
take hold of eternal life to which you were called, about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 15, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of loans, Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen nor can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. And so, so as good. we think about that, I think about as a Christian, God's called us to take hold of this gospel, take hold of the eternal life of what we're called and, um, and to, to, to continue unstained, free from reproach, uh, to keep the gospel unaltered, unhindered, unchanged, passing it on to the next generation uh, because he's the sovereign king, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. He's worthy of it. Mm-hmm. And so God's called us to an awesome awesome thing. He's called us to uh, be a part of his kingdom. And he's called us as part of the church to take that kingdom, that good news to people that have never heard. Thank you for listening to where we land Christ, culture, and the church. Listen, if there's anything you heard us talk about on the show today that you'd like to know more about, we'd love to hear from you. So send us your thoughts, questions, and feedback by sending us an email at podcast at catawbavalleybc.org. We have a number of episodes that are found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a number of other places where all good podcasts are found. So we'd encourage you to go, and uh, specifically on Apple Podcasts, if you would go and rate and review us, uh, that would be a great help to us as we continue this journey. Well, listen, on our next episode, we'll be considering soul and substance. We look forward to seeing you there next time.